Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Welcome to the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. I am in a good mood tonight while we record this, and I hope everybody else is as well. Thanks for joining us. I'm Alex. Steve. No, you're not. You should uh, check that again. (laughs) Why am I Chad? (laughs) Because there's only thing one wrestling being wrestling called swag. It's being called Chad. Why did we give you this much power? <laughs> hey, you started this. I, I even texted Alex. I'm like, he thinks he's, he started something now. Wait till you, his name is Chad on the show on uh, when we record next he week. Did, he did say that, yes. And to Alex's credit, he didn't tell you anything. So. Sometimes I'll change I your name word. back. I'll change your name back. There now you can, now now you can go. Perfect. Now I'm Steve. <laughs> and I'm, I'm already having fun. Listening to this are confused. His the name said Chad. Chad. Yeah. Now it says Steve. Yeah. So All here's right, lying well, to you, folks. <laughs> give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. I'm at Real Alex D. I'm at Safamod. And as always, I need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. And that's everywhere because we, we, we have been over this. Is that I have no idea how long Twitter is going to last. On threads too? Are you on threads? I'm on threads now. I think uh, I think I joined every, what, the hundred and some million that jumped over to threads. I think everyone jumped back because there's not a lot going on over there as far as I can no. tell. It's, yeah. Whatever. It's going to be an interesting social media environment going forward. <laughs> uh, check us out on Facebook as well on the website, pifflespodcast.com. Uh, Piffles Podcast, of course, brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. I'm wearing this 1984 Grey Cup hat, as you may be able to see. I'm super pumped about this, um, and I felt I should wear that in honor of Edmonton because that's where the 84 great cup was. And that's like the last time somebody's ever won in Edmonton. And probably the last time Edmonton will ever have a winning team is around that time. Cause they're just an awful team. Let's talk about this game here. It's time for the opening kickoff. Wow, that was a long pause for you to get back off mute. Me? Just so, yes. You were on oh. mute for a long time there. Oh, okay. Yeah. It took forever for you to hit the opening kickoff on my end. Well, that that too. Actually, that was my <laughs> fault. I was correct. Um, we'll figure this out one day. I promise. I, I really promise we'll figure this out. Um, we are about as in form as the riders were all last week. 
12 11 the riders win a riveting game against edmonton um singles night yeah they probably should have done that um i don't i don't even know where to go with this game like i have some notes written down here the offense sucked for 57 minutes uh they stuck with the run game even though the run game was awful for most of the game where was frankie hickson was he injured because we have no idea like, I, I just don't even know where to start with this because you kind of want to start with the Rouge, right? Like, because that's the story of the game was a freaking kickoff. So where do you guys want to start talking about this game? I I think we need to talk about how bad Edmonton is because, and don't get me wrong, the Riders didn't look any better, but everyone knew the Riders could, were still in the game no matter how inept they looked. Um, but they, they couldn't even kick a field goal. They scored four straight points on singles. Like when's the last time a team went four straight singles to start scoring? The irony of their kicker's name being faithful is not lost on me because he was anything but as he missed field goals and it was the Elks are awful. Like, it's a good thing the Riders were playing them because against anybody else, the Riders lose by 30 points that game. And the fact that they were still in it is a testament to the defense because the defense played pretty solid. I mean, in the CFL, honestly, when you can play a game and only give up 11 points, you did pretty good. So I don't really have too much to nitpick about the about the defense, but I think the real story is the Riders' offense for 57 minutes didn't do anything. When they did move the ball, they couldn't finish. And they only moved the ball when they pushed the ball downfield. And that they only did that with Mitch Picton. So why were they not using him more and doing that more often during the game until the final three minutes? I don't know what flipped in those final three minutes, but like I'm 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 worried about this offense right now. If that's how they're gonna go against Edmonton's defense. Not like Edmonton has a bad defense because I think they've actually played pretty well this year, but I I'm starting to have some real doubts about this Riders team right now. But let's also be fair to the Riders. It's not like they were Edmonton not even getting anywhere near field goal range. The Riders were knocking on the door twice and an inter- uh, interception and just a weird um, third down attempt. Like, I don't know. Like they, yes, they, they weren't functioning, but they weren't as bad as it looks. Like they left points off the board that they should have easily had. I've ever seen a football game that, that really epitomized that whole, whoever wants it the least, because that's what this felt like to me. It felt like for 58 minutes, nobody wanted to win that football game. Everybody was making mistakes. Nobody could finish a drive. You know, we all thought it was going to come down to a Brett Lothar field goal, which for the last few weeks would have concerned most of Ryder Nation. But it was just, it was just bad football. What I want to know, though, is how in God's green earth did Trevor Harris get the highest ranking in the uh, the PFF stats for last week? We're going to talk about that after because I, I have that written down. We have to talk about that. Um, Harris was... I mean, he was under pressure the whole game. And it wasn't until he started actually moving around in that final drive when they finally started to move the ball. 
And it honestly felt like I was watching Cody Fajardo that game right down to the number seven. And it was just O-line was terrible. Pressure was coming through the whole time. And then the quarterback had to scramble a couple times. Like he, there was nowhere for Harris to go. And I know it's, it's injuries on the O-line and, but like that, that, that's the main concern on this team. It was the O-line going into the year, obviously losing Philip Blake in the preseason crushed this offensive line, but that's still the problem with this team. So, I mean, winning masks, everything, but and, and Trevor Harris does a really good job of of kind of hiding deficiencies as well, being a very good veteran quarterback. But like I said, it's a good thing that they played Edmonton twice already and Calgary once, who's not a good team at all, because against anybody else, they lose those games for sure. But you know the difference between Trevor Harris and Cody Vajardo is in that situation? Trevor Harris threw the ball away and didn't take a sack he didn't need to take. Like they could have been a lot in a lot worse situations if Harris didn't get rid of the ball when he did. And a lot and a lot of those passes that weren't caught were a hundred percent on the receivers. There's a lot of guys that all of a sudden decided they'd rather take the ball off the chest and try to catch it, or they were already planning their next three steps before they caught the ball. Like so many of those guys just weren't doing the simple fundamentals they need. And could that be, hey, we're going to blow the doors off Edmonton anyway. Like, let's run up the score. And the next thing you know, minute and a half left, and you need to score at a two-point to even tie the game. Okay, well, let's let's get to the final drive. The touchdown goes to Mitch Picton. I'm glad that they got it to Mitch Picton because he was the best player on the field uh, for the Riders that game. I didn't think they were going to get the two. I looked over at Amy and I said, they're going to lose before the final drive started. I said, they're going to lose 11, nine. I didn't think they'd get it, but they got it. It was Kendall Watson getting the two point convert. And I was like, okay, perfect. Defense just needs to make a couple plays, send it to overtime with Edmonton's kicker. I mean, as much as I've started to lose a lot of faith in, in Brett Lothar, I still have way more confidence in him than Edmonton's kicker. Uh, so I wasn't too worried about it. Edmonton needed to get to the 12 yard line for him to have a shot. Yeah. And then, and then the ball hit the ground and I go pick it up, buddy. And then it kept rolling and rolling into the end zone. I'm like, are you trying to hope that it goes through? I'm like, you got like, the, it's a live ball. Go get it, man. Like it's slowing down and you're just kind of nonchalantly going to the back of the end zone to get the ball. I'm like, pick it up, man. You got to kick it out. You got to kick it now. Like you have to do something. And then he took the knee and everybody's, around me was kind of like confused like what did he just do and i'm doubled over laughing and i was like i'm glad that we didn't record this on friday the day after because as raw and and fresh as it would have been in our minds i would have been laughing for 45 minutes of this show and that would have been my entire reaction because it was hilarious and i looking back at it now and i'm like especially because it's Edmonton who's having such their own five. The fans are starting to leave, you know, being fans in Edmonton for multiple reasons, but this is a bad team and I'm starting to feel bad for them because like, this is a 
this is a coaching error. This is 100% a coaching error. Yes, CJ Sims needs to know the rules and get the ball and just get it out. But Chris Jones or the special teams coordinator, any coach, any, a, a player, the, the special teams captain needs to stop the returner before the kickoff and say, no matter what, that ball doesn't get into the end zone. You take it out. And nobody did that to him. And good on CJ uh, CJ Sims for, um, you know, owning up to it after the game and saying that he made a bonehead play and cost the team the game. But to me, that's on coaching. Do you guys agree with that? Hundred percent. Like, uh, there's a Simpsons joke called uh, Lisa Simpson going through the old uh, Dewey Decimal System and oddball Canadian rules or won the books on football because yeah, the CFL is a different game than those Americans are used to playing. There's the rouge. There's the extra man. There's full motion. So you're going to teach them all those rules. They definitely need to know about, Hey, there's a root. Like one, the ball's completely live on a kickoff and two. Uh, yeah. The rouge is an effect on kickoffs as well. And if it's a tie game, you make sure that ball gets, does not go stay in the end zone. And yeah, he just lollygagged his way back. I couldn't believe it either. That was the loudest cheer I've ever heard for a rouge. I don't care if that's a guy who's been in Edmonton for two weeks or a <laughs> 10-year CFL vet. You have to have somebody in his ear yelling at him to to run that out in that instance. Because that's a big moment. You know, you just you just lost momentum. Your team, the other team just tied it up. You're a, you're in their stadium, the crowd's going crazy. Set him aside and give him that that earful. Just run it the hell out. And to not do that, we all we hear or all we've heard for the last decade is how great of a coach Chris Jones is. I think we're starting to see a lot of flaws in him, and a lot of it is it is it's all coming out right now. When does when does Edmonton make a move? When do they move on at this point? Because I think the the writing has to be on the wall. You make an error like that, you cost your team a sure, at least a, a chance at a victory, your first victory in a while, and momentum that you need to maybe win one at home. Just insane. I pin none of that on CJ Sims, not even in the slightest. He's a new guy, he's been there two weeks. That's on what, what I do pin on him, though, is the objection, objectionable conduct penalty he took right afterwards. Pinned him. Not only did he take the penalty to get the yard or the the point to get the yards, took some of those yards off the off the play by being a bonehead. But what do you do? That's that's on coaching. And then how fitting was it that it was Nick Marshall, the most clutch player in the CFL right now, um, with the game ceiling interception? And I just thought about it after during the game and I was like, yep, of course it's Nick Marshall, which we've all said the ultimate boomer bust player in the CFL. And I started thinking, I'm like, remember when we were just like, yeah, if he's back, he's back. But if he's not on the team, if the team lets him go in free agency, yeah. All right, cool. I don't think we're, I think, you know, I mean, hindsight's a beautiful thing because we can look back at that, but how stupid were we to all be kind of meh on bringing back, a guy who's has to be in the conversation for at least defensive player of the year right now. Okay. Let's put a pin in this and we'll talk about it next week after it gets blown for like three, uh, 
deep balls over his head. But yeah, no, and this is always, and we've always been on this. This is what you deal with when you have Nick Marshall. He is going to call game. He's going to be your closer. He's going to take away the ball like that. But there's a good chance where Rhymes is going to be beating him at least three times a game because he is too busy ball hunting when he should be playing the player. But at the same time, he just won his two games in a row. So, meh, what do you do? I want your guys' thoughts on something that happened after the game with regards to Nick Marshall. So he was the the defensive player of the game. He had his interview after the game. And uh, they he was asked, you know, what made you jump that route? And he pointed out specifically, I think it was Dunbar, uh, whoever it was that that ball was thrown to. It wasn't Dunbar, Whoever it was, every time the ball's coming his way, he fiddles with his gloves uh, when he lines up. Is that something that a guy like Nick Marshall should be shouting from the rooftops? Or is that something he maybe should have kept locked in and uh, and kind of kept to himself? Because maybe it, it comes in handy when we play them the third time later this year. We already got the season series on him. Who cares? But at the same time, like as a poker player, you never tell a guy his tell. Like You, you just sit back and drain his money. But at the same time, telling a guy his tell also gets into his head. So now you're going to throw off this guy's play preparation because he's too busy thinking about how many times he touches his gloves. Like that's where I'm at with it. I'm like, to me that, that, that whole thing just shows how football smart. Um, Nick Marshall is this guy has an incredibly high football IQ and he showed it there. You know, the tell you can call him out on the tell. I'm sure he was probably calling him out during the game too. Like he knew, he knew what was going on and you see that happen all the time. And the, the guy can back it up. And he did that with the interception and I love it. I think it's great to, to go out and tell, tell the tell, right? Like, I mean, like Greg said, he's going to start thinking twice about lining up. And when he knows the play is designed for him, is he going to touch his gloves? He might be doing something else. And if he's thinking about it way too much, he's going to start dropping passes. He's going to be looking the wrong way or whatever happens, right? Like, I love that. I love that from Nick Nick Marshall. So go for it. I love it. All Um, I know is you need to get a mic mic in that guy's hand on a regular basis (laughs) because it's always an adventure. It's always fun. He was an SEC quarterback. He's used to having microphones in his face. Like, he's probably one of the most media trained players the riders have on their roster. All right. So the riders win the game, uh, 12, 11, moving the record to three and one. Um, but another big story coming out of this is injuries, of course, because it wouldn't be a rider game without injuries. And the big ones from this one, Roland Milligan missed uh, a good portion of the second half, the whole ha- second half, the whole half. No, hold on, um, I texted you guys when I saw him coming out of the thing, not wearing a helmet or shoulder pads. I'm like, yeah, that's had a walking, good. had a walking boot on, wasn't in practice day one on Tuesday. Um, if I'm guessing, he's probably not playing this week. Um, so it's very possible we'll see maybe CJ Rivas steps into that role, and or maybe it's Jeremy Clark uh, makes it back on the roster. Um, I don't know there. And Anthony Lanier uh, was limping throughout the fourth quarter for sure, but he was limping out there, uh, was getting his uh, foot looked at and 
didn't practice on day one as well. Hopefully that's more of a precautionary thing and he can kind of power through it. Um, but just going through who wasn't at practice day one this week, Milligan, Lanier, Jake Winicky, Matt Dean, Brandon Council starting left tackle. That was a finger thing. Hopefully that's just a precautionary thing. Offensive tackle, throw a, throw a cast on his hand, put a club on there. He's fine. Um, CJ Revis wasn't there. Charbel De Beer, Lake Corte Moore, Kosi Onyeka, Peter Godber, who's probably, I don't know, maybe they should have put him on the six game list. Um, Amari Henderson. Like it's just, this team can't, I was watching the Stampeders game um, against Winnipeg. And Kate Birness was talking about how the Stamps have so many injuries, how the Stamps have so many injuries. They're the only team in the world that's ever had injuries is all I heard. And that's why they were one and two now one and three. This, the riders are really beat up right now, but they're showing that well, what Calgary had the last few, well, two decades, the next man up thing, right? So the riders now are at that point where they're still winning games despite all these injuries. But at some point it's got to catch up to them. Like I'm, I'm getting really worried about all these injuries. But here's the thing though. TSN's not used to Calgary starting so slow. So they, they need to talk about it. They're not used to talking about the injury because it always was, well, the Bo Levi Mitchell's down, but they got Jake Mayers. So they're nothing misses a beat. Huff's a genius. Dickinson's a genius. Now they're showing they don't have that cupboard as full as it used to be. Yeah, these injuries with the Riders are going to catch up. Like, you can't have a player as good as Milligan out, Lanier out. Like, our offensive line is the walking wounded right now. Like, Bandy is serviceable, but he's not Peter Godber. So that effect definitely affected Harris this week. And Lothar, it's obvious. Like, we, we, we said last week, it's obvious that he's he's something's not right with him 100%. He looked really good on that last kickoff, mind you. He really put a charge into that one, but he still doesn't look right. And Brett Lothar missing day one of practice uh, also coincides with the Riders signing a kicker, Campbell Fair. Um, spent training camp with the Stampeders, was drafted by them this year. And I'm all for bringing in competition, even if Lothar wasn't nicked up, because there's something not there with Lothar this year. And it dates back to last year as well to whether it's a confidence thing, whether it's, you know, leg injury, whatever it is, but something's not right with him. So I'm all for bringing in competition. And if this just happens to be the one thing that just kind of lights that fire under Brett Lothar, great. So I, I like this signing. I don't know what you guys think of it. Even if he doesn't ever amount to anything, uh, if he never plays because Lothar goes out there and re, you know reclaims the job kind of thing and just goes back to the Brett Lothar of old. I still like the signing. I love it just because we have a fine and a fair on the team. It describes the feeling of the team after a three and one start. Yeah, they're fine. Is it it's, fair? it's competition. There's nothing nothing wrong with it. I I don't imagine we're gonna see this guy in in live game anytime soon. And having somebody there, even if just to take some of those kicks in practice off Lothar's plate and, you know, give him something to think about in the meantime, can't hurt. All right. So um, 
I want to go to that third down gamble <laughs> by the riders in this game. Third and goal from the three early on um, with the score being rouge to nothing. Um, the call to go for it. Did you guys like that or not? Yes, actually. Cause the Elks offense didn't scare me. Like if the, if the riders could have kept containment on Cornelius at least 50% of the time, it would have been a lot better, but corn pop got out quite a bit, which kind of has me, had me a little worried, but like I said, they weren't really pushing the ball. Like there at no point was I worried about the Elks actually scoring a touchdown until late the game. Like they did. So yeah, I had all faith in the riders holding them back there, but it didn't work. Obviously. I think against a better team, you take the points in that one, but in a, against a team like Edmonton, you're, you're choosing from two great options. Either you score and really, you know, shove it down their throat or you pin them deep at the three yard line. It's the epitome of a win-win scenario. I, I think that's the right choice in, in that situation. And I like that Dickinson seems to have a bit more of, um, so what's the term? A bit more guts this year. He's, he's making that uh, a bit more confidence in making those gambles. I, that, that's something I think we've been missing the last few years. And actually, I have an article coming out later this week about Craig Dickinson and his aggressiveness this season. I love this call. Um, I know, but I disagree with you, Steve, saying against anybody but the Elks, I would take the points. No, I think in that situation against anybody, um, I'd probably go for it, especially that early in the game with it being a low scoring game already. It's what was it? Was it one nothing or two nothing at the time? Like either way, it was it was scoreless. I know it wasn't three. Yeah, it was basically scoreless, right? Like you know what? It's early on. Send a message showing you you're telling your team you have confidence in them to go and execute a three yard play. And I'm all for it. The way that Craig Dickinson has been this year. Now I don't know if this is just him trying to save his job. So, for lack of a better term, but he's been very aggressive this season. Third and two in Calgary, three times in Calgary, third and two in their own zone. And then there was the, the two point convert and then the um, third and very long one at the end of that game. Uh, but going for it instead of taking the points. And to me, this is, I think it has to do with Trevor Harris more than it does anything else. Um, I don't think there was a lot of confidence in Cody Fajardo last year to be able to do that. And he what has would make that you think that <laughs> well, what at the end of last season made, made you think that Dickinson lost faith in Cody Fajardo um, before or after he benched him? Well, no, that wasn't a benching. That was Cody taking time off. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, this, this fits in this decision to go for it. It fits in with what Dickinson has been doing all year. And I would love to know, why? Because it doesn't seem situational to me. Because if it was situational, he probably would have kicked that field goal against the Stamps. He probably would have kicked the field goal here if you knew it was going to be a 12-11 game. You probably want to take the points in a low-scoring game. And I, I think at some point that's going to come back and bite him, where it's just going to be, let's be aggressive, be aggressive, be aggressive, and you forget the situation you're in, and it, they'll end up losing the game because of it. And then you're going to have 
people really upset. People are calling for Craig Dickinson to be fired right now, and they're three and one. Newsflash, I'm not a big Craig Dickinson fan. He's not getting fired, though, as long as they keep winning. So the the hate that's coming on him for all these aggressive calls and a couple of them not working, I don't really get. Um, again, hindsight, right, on everything. But I like this new Craig Dickinson that we're seeing. It shows that he... He feels more in control of the team, which is what the head coach should be. Do you guys feel that way at all? Wait, are you saying that the Ryder Collin shows will just kind of go back and forth on how they feel about a coach, depending on if they agree with it? I'll level with you. Even when I worked for a, a place that had Collin shows, I didn't listen to the Collin shows unless I had to work it, and I never did. So. I I always listen to the Colin show. One of the Colin shows that I I prefer on the uh, on the way home after a game, and it, it it blows my mind the amount of guys that that say that Dickinson should be fired as a winning coach. It it just blows my mind, and yeah, like he gets paid to win games. He's winning games. I've never seen a winning coach get fired. Because that's just ridiculous. Who are you going to get to replace? In the him? end, in the end, they don't ask how, just how many. He's won three and lost one. He is doing his job. Are they pretty? Well, no. Should we be confident in the team going forward? Probably not. The saddest thing but is, in the, the end, game, the game they lost was the best game played and coached. <laughs> right. I I was reading an article by Rob Vanstone today. The Riders have only gone three and one. 18 times since World War II. Yep. Stan Peters have probably done that 18 times in the last 20 years. Like, this is unfamiliar territory. But when they have done that, when they have started a season three and one, they have made the playoffs all but once. That's where they need to be. Now, we're going to completely ignore the fact that the once was last year. But I mean, it's, it's still statistically, I like our odds. At three and one, a whole hell of a lot better than if we were one and three. I like this year. I like this year better than last year because last year's um, three and one was a bit of a mirage because we started against the East last year. This year, we're getting our West games out of the way, which should transition to a better second half. Okay, so there are three wins. The problem we only have one one Ottawa game to, to come. We only have one Montreal game to come. Our two games are against Hamilton and or the two, the twice we play is Hamilton and Toronto. Hamilton looked great to play against Toronto. Not so much, but the good, but the good news is for us in the West, we've already got the season series on the Elks. If we win this week, we got the season series on the uh, stamps. We, we just need to see what happens between BC and uh, Winnipeg. And we played Winnipeg relatively tight. You're going to told me at the beginning of the year that we would have the season series potentially locked up against two of our Western division uh, rivals five weeks into the season. I think we would all take that 100% of the time. That's, I uh, wish I would have can't ask for we, better. When we did our record breakdowns, I wish I would have kept the sheet because I went through every game highlighting wins and losses. And I wish I kept it because I had the riders coming out relatively quick. Was I exactly right? I doubt it, but I know for a fact I had them 
not losing a lot of games early. So good time for that. Greg is right shirt. Um, wait, 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 what did you say? Oh, Greg was right. Go, Alec. I got a ding now. Oh, I was, I was waiting for the, for the big sounder. Um, okay. So three wins for the riders here. Good teams win games. And I will say that till the end, good teams find a way to win. And I don't know, like three wins by eight points, two of those games against the Elks. The other one was a double overtime win. Are the Riders a good team? No. Question mark? I I don't know what, the, that's the worst thing is, I don't know what they are yet. It's like same thing to me at the beginning of the season. I don't know if I like Craig Dickinson or not. There's still a lot of question marks on what this team is. And unfortunately, a lot of it is injury related. I think this team, if it was fully healthy, would be a really, really good team. But right now, there, there's a lot of holes and a lot of guys that are learning under live fire that probably could use a little, little more seasoning before they're ready for prime time. But they're pulling it off. Like like we said, they don't ask how, how they ask how many, and right now they keep on winning games. We'll see what's going to happen against the Winnipegs and the BCs and the Torontos, though. They're absolutely not a good team right now. I don't think anybody can look at these first four games and feel super confident about the team going forward. But like you said, they have the potential for good. They have an entire starting receiving core on the six game list. They're losing players left, right, and center. You know, two thir- three fifths of their starting O line is was out last week. That's that's a concern. Those are the things that you know make you go from okay to good to great. And we've seen some depth behind, but it's early. Can they be good? Absolutely. Will they? Question mark. Are they now? Absolutely not. See, and really, I only think there's three good teams in the league right now, and then there's the Riders next, and then there's everybody else after them. And then you have some Wee teams, and then you have Edmonton. Um, like, it's just... Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa's going to find... And that... And that- and, the, and that's not be Ottawa's fault right now because they can't keep a quarterback healthy. No. Um, give us a couple of minutes. We'll talk about their quarterback situation here. Um, I, I I think the Riders are a good team. Um, I think they're a good team with a lot of injuries, much like Kate Beerness thinks the Stampeders are Grey Cup champions, but they have all this inju- all these injuries. Um, but the dif- difference between what's going to separate the Riders from being in the West playoffs versus a crossover spot is the quarterback. Trevor Harris, like I said, can mask a lot of these deficiencies. Whereas Jake Mayer ain't the guy. Jake Mayer is not good enough to overcome the problems that the stamps have. Trevor Harris is as proof by him being the best quarterback in the league based off of pro football focus stats. Um, That's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage John Realty. Jumping to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Speaking of Churchill Brewing Company, I have the uh, blonde lager going on tonight. I've been uh, sipping on red. Got the red and a lot of choices. Good choices, gentlemen. <laughs> um, so the CFL is on a roll. Uh, 
came out and it's the, the highest graded players at each position um, for the last week. Trevor Harris was graded as the best quarterback. I don't know what they base this on. I know it's based on stats and some made up numbers. I don't think I would have picked him at all for this. Well, 95% of stats are made up. 53% of people know that. So that's a Simpsons reference, Steve. <laughs> yep, I knew that one. <laughs> I don't think I've got the numbers right. I just made them up as I went. But yeah, that yeah, looking at that, I was just like, and it's funny how, how many people actually got mad about that team that came out. Oh, this guy got ripped off. This it's statistical. Like, unfortunately, there's numbers and evaluations that apparently this thing uses to say that like i'm sorry i did not pass jim bob's eyeball test from the fifth row of uh, ig field but it is what it is so did trevor harris have a good game not by my eyeball test but apparently by the stats he had a pretty good one he, he, here's the problem i have with pff and their and their stats right now cody fajardo and the alouettes are expect are projected to take 99 sacks this year, which would be a league record. Meanwhile, four of the five starting offensive linemen for the Montreal Alouettes are graded at the top of their uh, their position throughout this season. To quote so Peter I'm Mills, what does that sure, say? I, I'm not entirely sure these numbers are accurate or right. They need to find a common ground between straight up stats and an actual eyeball test. Now, I think we're starting to understand maybe the O-line wasn't exclusively the problem here in Saskatchewan last year. But how how can you grade basically an entire O-line that horribly when they're giving up sacks left, right and center? So, yeah, I don't know how they how they do this, but it was good fodder for uh, social media and the comments. Uh, Mitch Pickton grading out as the best receiver as well, too, which I don't think he was, but I can understand the reason behind it. He was he was clutch, uh, made big plays, and we haven't really talked about Mitch Pickton. Um, going back to, what, 2021, um, being the guy who dropped that third down conversion in Winnipeg in the West final. Um, well, and why that thing got talked about was that play That's drawn why. up for him in the first place. Like, but you're starting to see the growth from him. And now he's putting up good. He's starting to remind me of the way Chris Getzlaff was where was he wasn't at the same point. He wasn't flashy early in his career, needed a couple of years of seasoning and some, and some work. And, he put in the work, came in as kind of a rotational guy as a backup, and now I think he's earned a starting spot. Um, will he keep it with KSB and Braden Linius coming back later in the year? I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe it's back to that rotational spot. But right now, Mitch Pickton needs to be given a bigger opportunity. And I hope I see that more um, against Calgary here, against BC and Toronto in the next couple of weeks. Um, cause the guy honestly deserves it. He's been, he's been very, very good. We've been talking about Sam Emelis all season long with, uh, his kind of breakout season here. 
Uh, but Mitch Picton is also really impressing me right now. We legit could have four Canadian receivers as starters and not blink an eye with KSB Lenius, Emilis, uh, and Pick- um, Picton, and have Briskison on the bench. Like, that is a very good problem to have. Problem is, we still have Walker. We still got Jones. So what are you going to do when all these guys are healthy? Like, there's some. There's going to be a hard decision made on somebody. Or someone's going to go on the sixth game with a paper cut, because I don't know what you're going to do. I, I laughed again. There's another article out today talking about Mitch Picton and his reliability and his ability to basically step into every spot on that receiving core and the fact that he's almost too valuable as a guy that can cover all those spots to get in there and get meaningful starting time and the logic in that i i don't know if i've ever laughed harder at at an article in my life this idea that a guy is too good and too versatile to stay on the field is crazy to me it's not like he couldn't jump out to to wide out if Somebody got hurt if he started a game at slot back. He can still be versatile and take those other spots while being on the field and contributing like he does seemingly every time he goes out there now. He's just a guy. He's reliable. As a guy who is too good and too versatile, I understand his problem. Like I I get it. Like it it, it is hard being this good all the time. (laughs) That's the very horrible. He's going to go on the sixth game. Yeah. Very Horowitz but, backslap. But unfortunately, that is the knock on being a local boy. He's one of those that he'll be fine where we put him because he grew up wanting to be a rider. This is where we probably lose a player like that down the road unless they figure out a way to put him in more. And, but like I said, we've got some really good Canadian players. So, where do you put him? Well, right now you put him wherever. Doesn't matter. Get him out there. Push the ball downfield with On him. the field. Yeah. Um, use it, him like... It could be Canadian Air Force 2.0. Use him like Chris Getzlaff because just the, the ability to run routes and get open is there. Look at his touchdown catch. That was a perfectly ran route. I know it's just a an easy out route, but the timing and everything, it was, it was perfect. And that's what we saw out of the Canadian air force. So just get him out there, have him making plays because the team will be much better down the, in the long run with him on the field. Um, yeah. Um, a couple other stories we want to talk about around the CFL, none bigger than Jeremiah Mazzoli in Ottawa, Achilles injury out for the year. Uh, we didn't even get to see it. We were actually at uh, AEW Wrestling here in Regina, and uh, we kind of looked at the phone, and oh, no. Oh, Mazzoli's hurt. And we see it again a couple minutes later. Oh, it was a non-contact injury. Like, the guy's we coming all up to 35. Like, I don't want to say he's done because no player wants to go out like that. But with his injury history, like, he's got to seriously consider it. Like, I, 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 I feel bad for the guy. I really, really do. It's going to be a hard road back for him after last year and now this year. It's 
it's going to be a long road back. It's not impossible. But you have to think, unless he's willing to take a massive pay cut, um, there's going to be a younger, cheaper quarterback that someone's probably going to take a, uh, take a gamble on because his injury history. A mobile quarterback with two bad knees is what? It's it's tough. He seems like one of those very likable guys in the league. Everybody and their dog was rooting for him to to succeed. I don't know if anybody cared if he won or not, or if the Red Blacks won or not. They wanted to see him come out and perform. After how he went out last year, his rehab to get back, the heartfelt video that they showed with him with his teammates before the game. Like he just seems like that guy that you would run through a wall for. And to see him go down like that sucks. You know, you don't see a lot of guys at 35 come back from a, a Achilles injury like this. I hope he does. I hope it works. But I kind of agree with you, Alex, that he really has to take a long, hard look. And there's life after football. He's He's got to protect the rest of his, his life as he nears the end of his career. And it's it sucks to go out this way, but what do you but do? Tell, but it tells you how respected and how much of a man he is. Just based on, if you look at like players, media, fans from all teams, it was like a bloody funeral on Saturday night, scrolling through when everyone saw he went down. Like, People cared and wanted him not to be injured, but everyone knew what was coming. And then when the announcement came, it was no surprise to anybody, but it hurt just as bad. And you mentioned the type of man he is. You want to talk about social media. There's pictures of him after that game, crutches and walking boot, meeting up with Thai Cats fans, Red Blacks fans. You know, he took the time out of his day on what was probably a horrible day for him to, to go out and have those fan, inter- fan interactions. That's that's the kind of stuff that A, this league needs, and B, he, they need people like him that seem to be just genuinely good human beings on top of, you know, really talented quarterback. No, we were saying last week he wasn't going to be the savior of the Red Blacks, uh, but he still gives them the best opportunity to win. Got to go with Dustin Crum this week with Nick Arbuckle as the backup. So they're down to their third and fourth string quarterback. Um, but Crum Buckle, it's <laughs> a good name. Um, the speculation now, though, is uh, a cloud Bethel Thompson, who was just released off the New Orleans Breakers USFL roster uh, today. Um, Ottawa apparently has reached out to MBT, um, which if you're Ottawa, you have to make that call. Um, I don't think he's ever coming back, but what do you guys, is there a chance we see Bethel Thompson back here in the CFL with Ottawa this season? Unless you're the Riders, BC, Winnipeg, or Toronto, you make that phone call to see what the chances are. Because Mc... MBT is a cut above whatever you got there. And that's including Montreal with Cody. So you make that phone call, whether he comes or not. I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of, Oh no, he ain't coming back. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, but that's a lot of football for him in the last year. If he is coming back. 
you know, he's 35 years old. His wife has a fairly solid uh, career with Marvel Studios. I, if I'm if I'm him and I and I see the Ottawa Red Blacks call display coming through, I'm not even sure I answer that call. What what would make a guy come out of retirement after winning? Not I guess not retirement, but you know he, he's left the CFL. He's done his big basically CFL retirement post and tour and everything. Won the Grey Cup. He's done it all. Why would you go back to Ottawa or or Hamilton where they're just not good right now and don't really seem like they have the potential to get much better? So if you can leave a champion, I, I would probably want to do that at his age. And I saw I somebody know. make a really good point on Twitter, um, and I, I forget who it is, um, but he's only a few games away from an NFL pension. So it makes me think that with NFL training camps about to start up right away here, um, that if he can latch on, if there's an injury somewhere, uh, quarterback, they have to carry three quarterbacks on the roster this year. Um, they only have to dress two, but there needs to be a third one that can be on the sidelines and be able to suit up if need be. So if something happens and he can get a third string role somewhere and collect that NFL pension, I think that's why he asked for his release from the USFL is to try and exhaust or try and look at all NFL possibilities. So to me, that's the, that's the thing. I don't think he's coming back to Canada. I think this is all about, and he mentioned it when he went to the USFL. This is him trying to get back to the NFL. And I don't blame him. One, the pension, and two, he'd get more money being a third-string quarterback than he would in the CFL, especially mid-season because it'd be pro, it'd be prorated. Um, I hope he does because he had a hell of a he had a hell of a season last year with the Argos, and he had a hell of a season with the Breakers. So. Dude's going to lose his arm, going to fall off, but that's beside the point. The only thing you mentioned the USFL and his contract. My understanding with USFL is they don't they don't have to be released to sign in the NFL. They can just they can go. I don't I don't know that that is why he would have asked for release there. I'm I'm questioning that whole that contract scenario and why he would either he did he ask for his release was that. Or was he just released? That's all we know. Well, I'm not sure why he'd release the best quarterback in the league, but I mean, up here, you just got traded if you were uh, part of Eric Tillman's team. So I don't know. Maybe that's a thing down in the States is, oh, you're the best one. You got cut. Um, I don't know. But um, do want to talk social media here. Something very important. Um, and I want to give kudos to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers social media team and for their game day um, graphics they're putting up and the posts that go along with it. We've seen them when they played here in Saskatchewan. It was Regina-style pizza sucks. Um, they had something against Montreal. It was poutine is overrated or whatever it said. And then there was this one against the Calgary Stampeders. And it was Chris Jericho, greater sign, Bret Hart. And I laughed hard when i saw this and steve you can be our earl hebner special guest referee because i think greg and i are going to go at this here um chris jericho greater sign bret hart 
yay or nay on that? Sorry, I don't I don't have any popcorn. I just have I have chips. So I'm just gonna put me on mute. You those aren't chips, those aren't crackers, those are crispers. Crispers. I'm jealous, actually. I like those. And, and we're not even getting paid for Steve to eat food and show off a brand. We're on YouTube, Steve. Yeah, hit them up on social. I know that's Let's the best go. part. Yeah. <laughs> he actually muted himself. If I knew it was easy to get him to mute himself, we should talk wrestling more often. <laughs> this is now a wrestling stand podcast. <laughs> hey, I like Chris Jericho. I do. I I loved his WCW run. I was a big Monday Night Jericho fan. When he interrupted The Rock on Raw, loved it. I was the only person in my... Uh, when we went uh, watched the tournament to for the Undisputed Championship, I was the only one who picked Chris Jericho. Everyone else picked The Rock or Stone Cold. Huge Chris Jericho fan. And I'll never, ever speak bad against him. But he's not Bret Hart. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Best wrestler ever. Sports entertainer, sure, we'll give that to Jericho. Jericho's a better entertainer. Jericho can do comedy. I Bret Hart can be funny, but it's, it's a different style. But in the ring, bell to bell, corner to corner, give me Bret Hart every time. All right, as a technical wrestler, yes, Bret Hart beats him there. The excellence of execution, a Canadian icon. And I truly mean that when I say that, a Canadian icon. And I'm not just talking about sports. I'm talking everything. Everybody knows who Bret Hart is. Chris Jericho. He was on The Simpsons. Jericho wasn't. Well, let me list a couple things for you for Chris Jericho as to why he's better. One, arm bar. Yes. I knew you'd find that. I knew you'd get that. Um, the three-handled Moscow guns. In, in <laughs> fairness, even I got this one. <laughs> this two, guy has wrestling references in one day. This guy, Chris Jericho, has reinvented himself mm-hmm. over and over and over to stay in the game. And he's got over every single time doing that. Bret Hart was one character his entire career. Even when he was a heel, he was the same guy. He just hated the U.S., that was it. He was the same he guy, cow- though. He, he was Cowboy Bret Hart for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Way back in the Stampede days. Um, no, no, when he first came in WWF. Yeah. Um, another reason why I have this written down here, Chris Jericho is better. Armbar. Um, Bret, Bret, Hart, Bret Hart is not a sexy beast, baby. Okay. Chris Jericho is, and that counts for a lot in pro wrestling. And Chris Jericho stole Bay Bay from Adam Cole. Stop it. He did. Um, and the last thing I have on my list here, why Chris Jericho is better Ooh. is uh, armbar. So any, anybody, I, I love Bret Hart. Okay. Um, but you know what? If you really, really think that Bret Hart overall is a better pro wrestler than Chris Jericho, you just made the list, okay? Jericho is better. Is this going to be a festival of friendship? It might be. <laughs> but seriously, be like I, said, I, I love, I love both guys. I do. But yeah, and Jericho, entertaining as hell. Love him. Dude was on The Masked Singer. Bret Hart would definitely wouldn't do that. But Chris Jericho wasn't on Lonesome Dove, and Bret Hart was. Bret Hart was the genie in Aladdin the Musical. 
I don't see Chris Jericho doing that. Chris Jericho was too busy being on the Masked Singer. As the Bridezilla? Is that what he was? Yes, he was. Yeah. My Rock, favorite part, my, my favorite part about that my favorite part about that entire thing is he spoke in a British accent when he like did his call outs to throw the judges off. His singing voice, like, like that's Jericho, no problem. And then he's like, Come on, ladies and gentlemen, let's go. I'm like, why is he talking in a British accent? Rock legend, Fozzy, Chris Jericho. Fozzy Osborne. Come on, come on. Like, I mean, they're, they're... I love both guys. I so do I. I mean, but I it just goes back to the point that uh, I love what the bombers are doing on their social media. Um, who are they it's playing so this week? Uh, like the, 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 the graphics are generic and they're posting oh, the yeah. same, same, same idea for everyone, which is fine, but yeah, the social media guy. And it's not the social media guy that blocked me because he's moved on. I know that for a fact. It's not Riley Mara. <laughs> so the new guy, whoever you are, I like you because you're actually doing it just right. You're yes. trolling enough that you're not being a dick. And well, that's half the battle. And if you can get casual people that might see this based off a quote tweet or, or whatever else, when you say Regina style people sucks and you have people that don't care about football seeing that and they start reacting – that's good. More impressions. And ultimately that's what the league needs. Um, so good for that, for good for the bombers for, for getting that going. I, I really enjoyed that and seeing everybody talk about it and have their, their spirited debates over Bret Hart uh, and Chris Jericho. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure though. I'm winning the uh, poll. If, if we're going to do like Steve, I'm pretty sure I'm winning the poll. Yeah. I, I put the, the that real question up. here. If I'm Earl Hebner in this situation, at what point do I just start screaming, ring the bell, and give Alex the win? Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Or, or Nick Patrick or uh, Bill Alfonso. I don't know which crooked ref you're going to be, but I, I knew the fix was in, damn it. Where's Vince yeah, McMahon? Do you have a ring the bell? You're, you're the one with the soundboard over there. Do you have a ring the bell? That's the Greg is I right I feel like bell. you need one of those. Well, in this time... I, I would have to side with Greg <laughs> being wrong because it's Alex. Oh, we need a Greg was wrong shirt, right? Greg's Greg. No, the Greg's a dope. Can you design that? Yeah. All right. Um, Actually, it'll be the same design to say Greg's a dope and see what happens. <laughs> um, Riders stamps this upcoming Saturday, 5 p.m. at Mosaic. Which Rider team shows up? The one that sucked against the Elks for two games, but yet still won? Or the team that showed up against Winnipeg played their best game of the year, albeit in a loss, um, and who played pretty well for the most part against the Stamps earlier in the year. Which team shows up? I mean, I, I gotta hope that it's the. <laughs> I, I hope it's the uh, crappy team that wins versus the good team that loses. I think that's the right answer. I would prefer the good team that wins, but. Those are mutually exclusive between those two options. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I want a better football game this week. That's all I know. Cause that was painful. And to justify sitting there to the very end going, they're going to score. Like I'm not leaving. It's one score game. It's a one score game. They're going to score. I don't want to go through that again. Cause that was bad football. That crowd was mad. Like I was up in section three twenty in the Vanna platinum. Um, 
And actually it was really funny because I know somebody that was two rows in front of me and in front of, and, and had two kid two young kids with her. Um, and one of them, that was their first game. And she was trying to learn what football was. And she goes, why is this team that? so bad? And like, why can't they get, why can't they do anything? Sitting in front of them was the Riders CFO. So I thought was kind of funny. Just this kid didn't know that, but, um, that the crowd just around me, they were so mad after the, the interception, in the end zone after punt, after punt, after punt in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden it changed when they scored and everybody was, Oh, we knew it was going to happen. Rah, rah, rah. Right. Um, but that crowd was, I mean, for a Thursday night game, that was a great crowd. Oh, I want to, I want to talk about that. Cause yeah, it's a good crowd when one of your uh, team sponsors brings in 3,500 people from around the world, puts them all in matching black shirts and just shoves them into the stadium. Man, that was weird sitting at the tailgate, watching these brand shirts go by for two hours, wondering where the hell all these people are coming from. And then to find out they brought, they bought in 3,500, I guess brand had their big, uh, the big conference this past weekend. And yep. It gave everybody in attendance a ticket to the game, and hey, oh, yes. if it makes speaking the numbers of, look good. Speaking of which, uh, Brant and uh, thank you, Adam, for bringing me this. Uh, I, those who can't see, it's a Argos uh, replica ring. Very nice, actually. We actually we, got we will wear, never get these. We actually got to see and wear Adam's uh, Grey Cup ring. He's Real the uh, PA announcer for the uh, for the Argos, and uh, as yeah. I introduced them, the Argos loudmouth. Um, but actually it was funny because he texted me halfway through the second quarter and said, Hey, where are you? And I told him what section I was in. He goes, Hey, I'm sitting over here with Greg. I'm like, all right, I'll come by. I didn't even, I walked right by Greg to get to the empty seat beside Adam. I didn't even say yeah. anything to Greg. Nope. I'm like, <laughs> nope. Hey, Hey jerk. Yeah. I was like, hi Greg. And then just kept walking. Um, <laughs> and that is and the appropriate way I, to I wasn't respond to Greg but I wasn't paying attention to the game. It was such a horrible first half. The game sucked. I didn't care. Like, I'm like, whatever. I'm going to go see, you know, our friend here. And yeah, but it was, it was a good crowd. Um, they were, they were loud for a Thursday. I was really impressed with that. And I hope that energy continues this week against the stamps. Um, I, th I think we're going to see the best version of this team so far. Um, it's going to be a tight game, I think. Um, but, I, I think Trevor Harris will bounce back. I can't see him being bad like that again. And I can't see the drops happening again from the Riders offense. Um, they'll have some sort of run game this week. One would think, especially after Jamal Morrow demolished the stamps last time. I think if the O-line can show up and contain Winston Rose, Julian Hauser had a great game last week. They can, um, and, and Wigan, if they can slow those guys down, maybe not completely stop. I don't know if this O-line can complete, completely stop anybody, but if they can slow them down a bit, I really like the Riders' chances this game. I'm not scared of Calgary uh, this year. That's been in a long time. No, I, they're I, just, they're, they're not good. They're not. I think if the Riders show up to play, it's going to be a lot better than last week. I think too much of it was 
they're going to steamroll the Elks. So why care? Not not, not why care because of professionals, but they're too busy thinking about all the stats they're going to put up. Yeah, and you could tell that by some of the plays those receivers were making. They were turning before the ball was even at them, and it backfired on them. All right, so with this game, um, I'm going to cheat on this one. Pick an impact player. I wrote this down. Pick an impact player from both sides, offensive and defense. Before I get your guys' take on this, I'll say mine. Offense, Mitch Picton. Defense, Nick Marshall. I'm copping out. I'm taking the easy route with Nick Marshall. You are. Um, you are taking yes. the easy route. Um, but Literally I just think- the players of the game last week. Very bold yeah, uh, choices I'm, there. I'm going out on a limb. Bold, bold move, Cotton. Bold move, Cotton. We'll see how it pays off. I'm going to go. I think this is the game Pete Robertson's finally going to get to the quarterback. Like, one thing we've been talking about is the lack of pressure we're getting. I think Jake Mayer is going to be in for a long game. So I like uh, I like Pete Robertson. And offense, uh, I think uh, Tevin Jones is going to have himself a game. I really do. Not when a team hasn't gotten a sack in three weeks, picking a D lineman, the bold choice. But uh, I, I think you're right on that one. I'm going to go a little little farther back and go with Larry Dean. I think he had a fairly rough game last week. I don't think he was at his best, and you don't see him have two bad games in a row. Uh, so I have him hitting his usual double digits and tackles. Uh, he'll uh, he'll lead that defense. And offense, I'm going to go with Sean Bain Jr. He's been kind of quiet the last few weeks. I think, uh, I think he steps up again this week and is that impact player that we saw through the first two games. All right. Well, we'll pick our. That's the last game of the of the week, so that'll be the last game that we pick here against the spread. A doubleheader on Saturday, our first doubleheader of the year. I'm looking forward to that. Actually, um, a little sad that there's no Sunday game. I got kind of used to having those Sunday evening games, but they'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, but the first game, I think we all know the who's going to win this because it's uh, in Edmonton, so we know it's not going to be the Elks. Uh, but they're hosting Hamilton. I'm guessing the spread again. I like this game. I'm guessing on what it is. I'm going to go Hamilton minus four and a half. I'm going to go Hamilton minus one and a half. Uh, Two and a half uh, for Hamilton. Where it is now. Probably three and a half. Uh, Two and a half. Hasn't moved, but... uh... Money is coming in on uh, actually coming in on Edmonton. Ham- Hamilton is not uh, gaining money, so I don't know. Someone knows something we don't know, but I'm hammering that Hamilton. No, easily, easily. I'm gonna take Edmonton. I think the streak ends, and I don't even need the. I don't even need the points. I think they win outright. Hamilton is uh, is also a bad football team. They are, but I nothing that Edmonton did even thinks makes me even think they can keep up with anybody. I like uh, Hamilton with the points. Okay, second game probably could be the game of the week. Actually, um, Toronto and Montreal in Montreal. In Montreal, uh, I'll guess that Toronto's probably a three point favorite. 
opened at three and stays around three. Yeah. I'm going to go bigger than that. Five and a half. How much? Five and a half. Five Five and and a half. half, You said. Yeah. Uh, Started at four uh, for for Toronto minus four. Uh, It is now at minus five and a half for Toronto. Uh, Toronto started at minus two forty four. I'm just going to tell you the money line, and they end, they're right now they're at minus two twenty. I don't know. I have a weird feeling about Montreal in this one. I think I I don't think that they've looked that bad in their last two losses. One was in a monsoon, which they had ample opportunities to score against Winnipeg. Uh, the game against against BC last week was, I mean essentially just a missed field goal return away and a really bad overturned PI uh, on a pick six um, early in that game. Like Montreal and t- until the fourth really were in that game. I, I kind of like Montreal in this one. I, I don't know. With the oh, so I'll take, I'll take Montreal on the points, but it's Toronto wins, but Montreal for the, the spread even with the spread toronto defense i like toronto's defensive front over uh, anything montreal's doing right now and we we've had many discussions on what we think of jason a uh, jason moss offense i like actually i might have to fade with i i like toronto i like them better at the four but the, the the extra point and a half has me a little worried. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know why. I might actually join you. I think I'm gonna take Montreal with the points. Toronto's gonna win. So after after the first couple of weeks, we had Christina Costabile saying, "Let's see how Montreal looks when they play the the Torontos and the Winnipegs and the BCs or Saskatchewans of the world." We're starting to see that they can't quite hang with those teams yet, and Toronto might be the best of the bunch right now. We've said it before. Toronto is arguably the most well-rounded team in the league right now. They couldn't handle BC. They couldn't handle Winnipeg. Nothing makes me think they'll handle uh, Toronto on top of it. I, I'll take Toronto and the points. Okay, first game of the doubleheader, uh, which is probably the one you don't really need to watch because this is going to be a bloodbath. Uh, Winnipeg at Ottawa. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go conservatively. It was Winnipeg. Minus eight and a half. Now it's nine and a half. You don't often see a lot of double digit spreads in the CFL. This isn't college football, but this might be the one. Ten and a half for for Winnipeg. Start or start now. and finish. Start and now. Alex nailed it right on eight and a half. It's now it's in at nine and a half. Uh, Winnipeg is minus what started at minus 375. They're not minus, now minus 410. If you want to gamble in Ottawa, a bet of a hundred dollars will win you 330. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think I hated money, I would, money on Ottawa. Yeah, if I hated money, I would do that. But you could, I win don't know so much. I, I, I don't think Ottawa's going, even going to hit the spread this game. Not, not, no. not with, cr- no. not with Crumbuckle. Um. Yeah, give me Winnipeg with the spread. I'm, yeah, I'm going first. Yeah, there, there's not a spread they could put out there that would make me take uh, Ottawa with the points. That this is Winnipeg in a in a massacre. 
crumb buckle. They should have these spread as crumb buckle. Um, and the final game of the week, our game, Riders hosting the Calgary Stampeders. I'd imagine this one's uh, this one's real- wild. Um, I can't wait to talk about this one. Okay, so I'm gonna guess it started Riders minus one and is now Calgary plus one. Steve. I don't watching everybody pick the stamps in like the CFL writers pools and everything. It's a three and one team against a one and three yeah, team. Screw you, Jamie and I picking against the riders here. And I went easy on him on the Messier picture yesterday. Oh, I didn't even I know that. Oh, Nye's going to get such an earful. Anyway, sorry, finished him. I'm, I'm going to go. Cal- no, I, I'm going to agree with Alex. I think it uh, it is basically down the middle, one and a half to Saskatchewan. And do we keep it though? I think we keep it. I think it's still minus one and a half to Saskatchewan. It started. I like to point out the lines usually come out on Mondays. We are recording this on Tuesday night. It started Saskatchewan minus four and a half. Wow! So now that I told you that, where do you think it is? Wow. Uh, if it's wild, I'm still going to go with like, maybe it's Calgary minus 0. 0.5, 0.5. I'm going to, I'm going to stay with Saskatchewan minus one and a half. And it if it's is, wild, you're probably it's right. Shit. I pick them. It's even, they don't even have a point total. Wow. It's an That's even huge pick. change. That's a huge change. It is a, Four and a half swing in a day. Saskatchewan well, went what from is... minus one one eighty eight to minus one eighteen. Calgary still a little less. They're only at minus one hundred two on the money line. They started at plus one fifty five. That is crazy. Four and a half swing what in has... a day. What has Calgary done that would suggest they've gotten better since two weeks ago? Well, they had an 11-1 lead against against, uh, Winnipeg and then gave up 20 straight points. That that surprises me. But but again, we just barely beat Winnipeg on a a rouge. So, you know. Elks. Edmonton, yeah. What did I say? Winnipeg. Yeah. My bad. I'm just... uh, Getting ready for uh, Labor Day. I think the Riders win, and I think it's by a touchdown. I think I the think... Riders are going to put the foot down. I really do. They This is the game they have to put the foot down after the last week. You can have one of those, oh, we kind of lollygagged our way into a victory. You can't do it two weeks in a row. I think they'll come out hot and have uh, a 13, 14-point lead uh, that they'll lose and end up winning by three points. So it'll be kind of similar actually to the, to the game in Calgary where they were in control and let that slip away and still ended up winning. I think it's going to be similar to that. Although I don't think it goes to overtime this time. Um, This is, I mean, the riders true tests are coming up in the weeks after with BC and Toronto. Um, So I don't, I don't like calling this a tune up game for those. Um, but this is definitely the easiest of the three against a team 
that isn't very good. I like th- this is this really is the year that they drop. This is finally the year that the Stampeders are not a good team. About first time. time. First time since what Kevin Kevin Federline was their quarterback. Federline. Britney Spears' <laughs> husband. That's right. Yeah. Um Kevin Federick. 2004. Yeah. Was the last time they had a sub 500 record. Yeah. 2004. Like this, this is the first time. It's it 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 is going to happen this year. It really is. Um I thought they'd be better than they are and I'm very happy to report I'm wrong about that. This is not a good team. Their their O-line sure. is junk. I mean, injuries obviously are are hurting them. But their starting quarterback is maybe the seventh or eighth best one in the league. And there are people exists. that can legally drink in Saskatchewan and have never seen the Calgary Stampeders with a sub 500 record. That's amazing. Sorry, I, 19 years just seems like such a long spread. I hope this is the year it's finally happening. The Calgary's being that good for this many years causes me to drink. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to this game. Um, Dallas, uh, CFL fans, Toronto. Uh, I'm going to the game with him. I'm looking forward to that. He's in in Regina here for uh, for a week and a half. Um, looking forward to going to the game with him. It should be a lot of fun. And it's the um, first 5,000 people are getting a shirt for this game, I think, um, for the Just Saskatchewan yeah, uh, game. Yep. So... Make sure I show up a little bit early because uh, I got a pair. <laughs> Funny story, I, I ended up getting um, a couple of pairs of those uh, sunglasses for retro night. Um, my wife ended up getting uh, getting us a couple. She went in with her mom. I went in with my mom to this gate to this last game, and uh, so we ended up getting our sunglasses and whatnot. And Amy and I were walking back to our seats um, in the in the second half, and this guy just stops us and he's like can I give you my sunglasses for one of those pairs, please? I've been trying for three quarters to get, you know, a pair of those. And Amy's like, here, just, just take them. I don't really want them. I just have them. Cause I got here early. Like, and he's like, no way. Like, can, what, what can I do? Can I, can I buy you a beer or something? She's like, no, just be nice to somebody later. And then this guy's girlfriend, um, was like, oh, that's so nice of you guys. And I can just kind of see it in her eyes. I'm like, she wants a pair too. I'm like, here, take mine. I'm I have my other pairs of sunny here, sunnies here. Um, she's like, oh my God, like, why are you guys so nice to us? And we're like, oh, they're just sunglasses. Um, but I won't give up the shirt this time. So if you see us walking around with an extra shirt, no, they're mine. Sorry. <laughs> um, but moral of the story, just be nice to people. There you go. So looking forward to this game should be a good one. Um, it's an important game. They win this, they get the season series. And when's the last time they had the season series against both teams in Alberta, um, let alone within the first five games. And that puts us in a good shot for a, not a home playoff game per se, but at least we're staying in the West. Yeah. Which ultimately that's what you want. As history dictates. Uh, Pivots Podcast brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support and these lovely beers making this short making this show possible. 
And a special thank you as well to Tyler Gilbert for giving us this beauty, Ghost Behind Your Mind. See you guys next week.